What's going on, guys? Welcome to today's edition of the Q&A. My name is John Papaloni, and I got side with me here. We're doing this virtually today. So a little bit new, a little bit interesting. Usually we do this in person, but hey, sometimes life gives you uh, lemons and you got to make lemonade. Yes. And um, <laughs> so I'm excited about this. We got some uh, great questions, some interesting questions, some questions that are similar to the past, just a little bit of a different twist. So we're going to get right into it. So you want to, do you want to read number one or should I? I'll go first. Um, I'm a first time home buyer and I'm thinking about acquiring my first home. What are some of the things I should consider? Um, uh, all right. That's a good thing. So um, I agree with you. Like one thing, like the first thing I think you should consider is financial health. Like how are your finance doing? Like, do you have a lot of debt? Do you have no debt? Um, what's your down payment like? Stuff like that. What else? What, aside, what else? Uh, what what features what features does your ideal home have? Yes, yes, like, that's that's important too. What you're looking for, basically, uh, how much affordability? What what how much you can qualify for? Yes. Uh, and, go ahead. Yeah. Yes, yes, and in terms of qualifying, it's more than just a mortgage. Like, because once you get the mortgage, that $1,400 payment or $1,800 payment or whatever it is, is very easy. That, that, that's easy to figure out. But a house has more, or even a condo or a house has more to think about than just the mortgage. Because there's property taxes, there's costs of carrying the house, there's maintenance. I'm going to say maintenance, whether it's, uh, it can be maintenance fees in a condo. It could be uh, maintenance as in, you know, you got to replace lights when they burn out. You got to uh, replace filters in the furnace. Um, something could happen where your floors lift. You have to, might have to replace your floors, replace the carpet. Um, you could have a leak sometime. Uh, your, you know, water goes over, you get water damage, you have to fix. Anything could happen. You have to replace your roof every 10 years or 20 years or whatever it is. So those are a part of the maintenance and part of the expenses of owning a home. That's not part of your mortgage, but often we go into it and thinking, oh, my mortgage is 1600 bucks a month. I can afford that. Then the disaster happens and you go, oh, I did not know. So you got to consider the possible future carrying cost above the mortgage as well. Yeah. So um, again, you know, it's like you said, what type of home suits your needs? What features does your ideal home have? Like, what's the most important thing to you? Is the kitchen the most important thing? Like, do you need a gas stove for some reason? Do you need, um, like, do you need a basement? Do you need a basement? Does it have to be finished? That's right. It, it doesn't have to be a separate entrance, right? Maybe you need that as a rental unit to help you uh, sustain these main, these uh, extra fees. Yeah. That's could be a part of your consideration. Yeah. So uh, maybe your in-law wants to move in and you don't want them on the same floor as you. It could True. be many reasons. So the other thing you have to figure out is who will you choose to help you find and guide you through the purchase of this home, right? The, the realtor, friend, is a friend going to help you with this? They're going to come together. Is a, your family member going to come with you? You're going to try to purchase on your own, which is, uh, for the record, a bad idea. But what realtor will you choose? There's lots of choices out there. And what are you looking for, right? Yeah. So um, anything else? No, I think you covered most of it. Um, not, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. But yeah, in, in, in a not. And there's some like this is this is what you need to be like writing a list basically. Write a list has check boxes on it, and then and then and then puts what needed on the side and what's wanted on the side. 
because you you will have to pick and choose here. <laughs> yes, you're right. It's setting your expectations because you're not yeah. always going to get everything you want at that moment. Sometimes you have to build up. Yeah. So, number two, I am selling my home, but I won't be ready to put it on the market until December 1st. Should I sell in December or should I wait for January? I, I personally would put it in December, in this market specifically. That's exactly how I feel. I will put it in December as well. On a normal, typical real estate market, I might have held off till not even January. I would have held off to February. Yeah. But right now, we are in such a hot market that things are just flying off the shelves, and we cannot predict what January is going to be like. Yeah. We can have an idea based on patterns. But nothing is foolproof. The only foolproof thing is that we know the market is hot today. We can't predict tomorrow. So based on that, I would take advantage of this and get it on the market ASAP. Three, what renovations in the home will improve my equity and which renovations are just for my own desires? I will let you answer this because you renovated your house. So you have some <laughs> experience in this. Uh, improving my my equity and which renovation okay so what improves equity is basically finishing a basement uh having a new kitchen adding a washroom um renovating a washroom um being creative with the space a little bit sometimes removing some walls getting rid of some walls making it an open concept uh those things they all help in the equity of of, of the uh of the house uh which renovations are just more for my I or just well, yeah. like I mean, like the, the, those things that they usually people uh, look for when they want to come and, and and buy a property. So have have it that uh, have it very like uh, neutral or acceptable by different uh, taste of buyers. So like, for example, don't make like a pink kitchen or or purple. Like you know, sometimes those things they they then you you, you get you lose a lot of interest in it so try to make it neutral whatever you do make it neutral make it nice uh, yeah like grays and whites yeah yeah simple nice but yeah right. wa adding washrooms removing walls a new kitchen you want th those things they, they they do help with the equity right now one thing i would avoid is basements hmm. unless you have a reason for it like if you're looking to use the basement for yourself like you bought the house you're going to stay in there for five years and like I said, we'll go back to my previous example. You have your in-laws moving in and you want them to use the basement or you want to rent out the basement, whichever. There's reasons to renovate the basement there. So you would renovate it for your use. Mm -hmm. Will it give you equity back? It will. But often with basements, it doesn't give you the same equity back. So to do the basement, you have to have purpose for it, not just to bring in a return. And the reason is sometimes people do not want a basement finished for whatever reason or they don't need the extra space so they're not willing to pay a little bit more for it so what i mean is sometimes you're going to pay 30 grand for a basement as an example and you only might only get 20 grand back from that renovation so if you have a use for it is it worth it absolutely if it's one of those things you're doing it to try to make money that's probably one you could skip um, another thing is a pool during COVID, pools became important oh. and people will pay extra for the pool. But I have to answer on a normal basis, not based on COVID because COVID is a rare and probably once we're gone with COVID, probably won't experience COVID again, whenever that is. 
So I'm going to go based on the normal answer, not based on the circumstance. And based on a normal answer, the pool does not add equity because there's a lot of people that don't want pools because they're worried about the extra liability that comes with it. Sometimes insurance rates go up as a result of a pool. There's a lot of maintenance on the pools. Um, You can't just leave it empty or leave it full. You have to drain it and fill it and maintain it. And that could be at least a couple of grand a year, maybe a thousand at the least. Mm -hmm. And some people just don't want that expense because it's just not that important to them. So you're limiting the amount of people who are interested in your home with that pool. Yeah. So those are the main things to avoid. Like, again, if you're buying for your use, like if you're saying, I don't want my kids going to the public pool right now, I want a pool and we enjoy it and we live for it then get the pool, but you're getting it for yourself. You're not getting it for the equity. So to answer that question. So that's basically what that comes down to. Other than that, you know, just keep things neutral. Like you said, okay. I keep placing offers on homes. I like, but I keep getting told that my offer wasn't high enough. I find out that the house went 10,000 over my offer. And I would have gladly put in another 10 K or even 20 K, but nobody told me. What can I do to prevent this from happening again? I don't want to over offer on something, but not getting the home over 10 K is disheartening. Okay. Yeah. You can, I, I want to say something about this one because this is happening a lot, a lot, a lot, especially that this market we're in now, there's like a lot of buyers and very uh, minimum sellers. So the way to get this, I recommend to when you want to, when you want to off put an offer on a property, uh, just ask yourself um, what number you wouldn't offer on it. And this way, uh, this way, if it does sell for for that much, um, you won't be, uh, you know, uh, like upset about it. Uh, so, like, whatever you, so like, you'd be like, okay, if if it sold for this amount, I I, I don't, I would, I wouldn't pay that. So this way, you'll be um, comfortable. So that's my advice. Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, you can't really spend your time worrying about, did I overpay? How much did I overpay? Because at the end of the day, if you got the house you wanted, you got the house you wanted. You don't know what the other people would have paid. And for all you know, you could have had the same offer as somebody else. And the only reason you got it is because you went in with no conditions and the other person had a financing condition or a um, inspection condition or something that the seller did not like. And or that a could small be the, deposit or a small deposit. It could have been something like that. You just never know. And in our business, we're not allowed to reveal the reasons like that. So you'll never actually know why or what the last offer was. So you can't really worry about what overpaying is because what overpaying is overpaying is it could be anything. You could pay a million and one and the last person would have paid a million even. So a thousand dollars could be overpaying, but it could yeah. also just be what the market is today very true you have to I, I agree with what you said there so you have to just worry about it. what's the maximum i'm willing to pay and if i don't get it at that price i just don't care and look at it that way another thing you could do is have an escalating clause meaning that for example just say the property is uh, listed at nine hundred thousand, and let's say the comparables are a million and fifty so you already know that it was listed one hundred and fifty thousand under the last sale so that's obvious. Uh, it's a minimum of 150k lower than it should be. Yeah. So now pretend you're at, you're looking at it and saying I won't pay more than 1.1 on this. Well, don't start at 1.1. What you do is you can go and try to match that other comparable offer at a million and fifty, and then have an escalation clause saying I will pay 
$5,000 more than the highest offer up to a maximum of $1.1 million. Now, your high offer will keep getting higher and higher and higher until everybody stops offering or it hits 1.1. If it goes over 1.1 and you don't get it, then it was more than you were willing to pay. So who cares? Just move on. The worst thing you could do is say, I'm fed up. I'm not going to offer anymore. I'll wait, wait out the market. Sure, you can wait out the market. But what will happen is that $1.1 million home, just say the market slows down in a year or two years. That $1.1 million home will be worth $1.2. You're saying, hey, I didn't have to pay, place a bid. No, you didn't. But you paid $100,000 more than if you did place the bid. Yeah. So you're still behind. You're not ahead. You can't outbeat the market and you can't try to time it. I get the frustration. We're all frustration. Even as realtors, we're frustrated. Yeah. I friggin' hate this. I'll be honest. Yeah. I hate this bidding crap. You know what I mean? I just can't stand it. But this is the way the market is right now. We can't control it. What do you do? Hi, Mr. Seller. I don't like bids. So can you take it off? Right? Like it just doesn't work that way. That's work. the way it's set up. That's the marketing strategy. That's the way it is. And until... They increase demand to match, sorry, until they increase the amount of homes available to match the demand. This is probably where we are at for a little while, at least. We need more supply. 100%. But but there's just something that I also would like to talk about. Let's say you did overpay 10,000 and the, or or 20,000 and the other offer and you got it. That's not a bad thing because within a year we both know within a year that value of the property is going to be five percent more seven percent ten percent depends on, on on what goes on but it, it will eventually that whatever money that you put it will be that the value will appreciate even way more past this and then and then you'll be okay so even if you paid an extra 10k that's that's not a bad thing yeah absolutely well look pretend you even paid thirty thousand dollars more thirty thousand dollars on a million dollar home that's equivalent to 3%. On average, a 40-year history, forget the last year or two, that real estate's been 13% and 26%. Forget those crap numbers. Let's look at the average, the real numbers over the average of 40 years. I think that was like 6.5%. So even if you overpaid by 3%, that means in six months, you would have broken even. And then yeah. the next six months, you're ahead. Yeah. Right? So Worst case I don't scenario, know. Some buyers don't think about it this way. I, I just don't understand why. Because they're frustrated. They're frustrated at always losing. They're frustrated at putting in six, seven offers, falling in love with the house, and then finding out that someone else is getting it. Right? It, just, it is tough. I understand. Yeah. Really yeah. Tough. They're just frustrated and they don't, and they're, they're fed up, which yeah. I get it. Right. But uh, buying a home, I get picking the home can be emotional, but the process has to be logical. And calculating, it can't be emotional because it's just a process. Yeah. All right. Number five, I accept an offer on my home. It's been two days now. And my agent said that the deposit was not received. I have another offer on the table. Can I take this offer or am I stuck with the other offer? This is very, very, very tricky. Very tricky because on one end, Not receiving a deposit doesn't mean the deal is dead. Legally, the deposit is just a gesture. It is not a legal requirement for an offer. On the same token, if the person has not showed up with a deposit in two days, more than likely they're not and they think they can get away with not putting in the deposit and that's how they get out of their deal, even if it was firm. It is not the legal way, 
but that's what people try. Now, the solution, very, very sticky. <laughs> I almost want you to answer this one. <laughs> no, I mean, the solution, I think if two days pass and they didn't deliver the deposit, they can ask them what's going on. And But most likely, yes, they can take another offer. Yeah, they probably could take another offer. At the end, it doesn't leave. What I would do in this case is you would look at the other offer. It doesn't leave the person off the hook. And you can look at the offer, take the other offer, and then you can technically sue for damages. Yeah. It may work, may not work, but that's technically what you could do. Yeah. Um, again, an, an accepted offer, which is a firm offer, is a legally binding offer. The deposit is just a gesture. It does not release you from your obligation but, but don't you think they breached the contract by, by not delivering the deposit uh, yes but it's not a it's not a legal escape it's still you're still on the hook again it's just a gesture right it's just like a token right you know you know a token of good faith so you've already broken you know your trust and reliability yeah. but it doesn't let you let you off the hook when you say i'm gonna buy i'm gonna buy no conditions no matter what i'm gonna give you the money then that's what you're committing to that's what you signed for so now, again, the seller is not going to wait to closing day and find out the person's not going to close. Two right? days. So that could be two months later, right? Yeah. So two days, again, the first steps, like you said, contact the agent, see what the heck is going on. If that's what they uh, think they're doing, make sure they're aware of what they're doing yeah. and they're not going to just show up at the deposit three days later. Make sure they're aware of it. And if they're aware of what they're doing and they think they're getting away with it, then you know what? Just accept the other offer. And then if you end up losing out, for example, you got a million dollars on your home on the first offer, you get 950. I would sue for the damages of the 50,000 after. <clears throat> so that's just a thought. Not much, you know, these things happen. Um, again, I wouldn't let an offer go by when the first one is defunct. So number six, I purchased a home and during the initial search, everything looked great. The homeowners have moved out and I went in for my final visit before closing. And now that the furniture is not there, I noticed there are a few areas that have mold on the walls and a few other small issues. The home closes in two days. What can I do about this? Am I just stuck with the repairs or does the sellers pay for this? That's a good question. How would yeah. you answer that? Um, okay. Well, First of all, if there's two days and they're not closed yet, I would contact the lawyer, the buyer's lawyer, and let them know of the situation and let them know that there's damages or mold or I'm not sure what the situation is. And they what they can do is they can do uh, like they can they can basically the the, the lawyers can can uh, like charge them for that and be like, hey, we we cannot you know, pay unless this is fixed or we're going to have to pay less deducted from the deducted from the amount we're paying you. Like I would, I would contact the lawyer right away. Absolutely. See, this is the thing. If it's something minor, like a wear and tear, yeah, there might not be anything you can do about it. Right. But if it's a latent defect, meaning something major or something that anybody should have noticed. Now, if you hit it with your furniture and that's how you didn't, you know, how it didn't uh, get noticed. That's still a latent defect. They should have been aware of that. They're still liable for that. Or they were still liable. They were liable not to fix it. They were liable to disclose it. And that would have been up to you whether you accept it or not or put in an offer to buy it with it repaired. But mm -hmm. because it was a latent defect, 
and you weren't told or have any way of knowing about it because nobody's going to go around and start moving people's furniture around then they are liable for those repairs if it hasn't closed definitely reach out to the lawyer and the lawyer will reach out will talk amongst each other and try to work out a deal yeah um okay number seven i found a house that i really like and i want to see the home on saturday my realtor said that he wasn't available to show me and won't be back until tuesday i am worried that i will like this house and someone else will get it before i even get the chance to see it what should i do okay so in this case i would recommend to talk to your realtor to ask um, any of his colleagues to actually do take you and show and see the property so you don't miss it out now if, if the, the realtor is not able to do that then uh, then then we have a problem but they, they usually like we we usually help each other when someone is away and then some showing needs to be covered i mean i i would always uh, recommend that a colleague or something yeah, yeah. like it's just to say i'm not available i'm busy is not really a valid excuse yeah um part of our job is that we're available upon request or when needed within a reasonable amount of time somebody can't call you at one o'clock and say i'll be there at 105 that's not reasonable yeah, yeah. but if they're calling you and if you're telling them you know it's thursday i want to see the place on saturday there's no reason that arrangements couldn't be made no, unless no something like the last minute happened as an emergency because we're all humans at the end yes i understand but in general since it's like two days and he's already saying that he's not available or she's not available on saturday then ask them to find a replacement absolutely they should get a colleague to show you okay. and um if not <laughs> if they don't get a colleague and they're refusing to then pretty much they're not doing the job call another realtor or call his broker of record if you sign something already yeah um other than that pretty much because there's no reason not to see it like it just doesn't make sense we're here to serve and if someone's not serving that may be an indication True. um my best friend is a real estate agent and just got her license about seven months ago my aunt has been an agent for about 10 years i am thinking of looking for a house but i'm not sure if I want to use either of them because I'm worried about offending one of them. I'm also worried about offending them. If I use someone else, what should I do? Should I find someone else and tell them when I already bought or should I tell them first? Uh, I think this, this question is for you, John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a situation nobody wants to be in. Like I, I get the perspective here because you know what? Yeah. Your best friend expects you to use them, but then your aunt is family. And if you don't use your aunt then it's like, <laughs> how dare you? Um, and if, you know, <laughs> nothing good comes out of hiding it. <laughs> so it feels like a no-win situation. Um, I think the truth of the matter is you have to be honest. Um, what are your reasons to not want to use your friend? And what are your reasons to not want to use your aunt? Now, not wanting to use your aunt just because your friend is doing it. Okay, why do you want to use your friend? Is it just because you're your best friend? But then why? what is your hesitation? If your hesitation is, oh, she's new and I don't feel comfortable, then if you don't feel comfortable using her, you just don't use comfortable using her or him or whatever, and you want to use your aunt because you're more comfortable, then use your aunt. That's the risk you take. Just be honest. I don't think you should buy a house and then tell them. I think you should start the process, keep looking, mention it to them, and say, hey, you know what? My aunt is there. It's family. I've uh, trusted her. I've been comfortable with her. I want to use my aunt. Or if you want to use your friend and say, hey, you know, so-and-so, um, 
I, you know, I've been uh, working with her to look at houses. You know, she's my bestie for whatever. They'll, you know, they'll probably know who it is. It'll be no big deal if you're honest. Now, if you don't want to use either for a reason, maybe it's too close for comfort. Maybe you don't want per, your uh, friends or family to know your business and you're worried about that for whatever reason. We all have entitled to our own opinions, our thoughts, our feelings. If that's the case, you want to use somebody else, that might even be the easier route, to be honest, because people can get less offended with this answer than trying to justify one or the other. You use a third party and say, look, I don't like doing business with friends or family because it gets complicated and it could ha leave some hurt feelings and then jeopardize the relationship. So I'd rather use somebody I don't know or know very, you know, little of than to get mixed in with somebody I'm close to. Everyone's going to be like, what the hell for the first day or two, give them space, let them breathe. They'll get over it and realize, you know what, maybe you're right. So that might using option three, which is using neither of them might actually be the right answer, but that's a personal question that yeah. you have to decide. Yeah. It's not something anybody can tell you. That's the way I'm looking at it. Uh, number nine. I'm wow. a new agent and I've tried this on my own for three months. I can't seem to get any sales. I was thinking about joining a team. Someone suggested I, I get a coach and that a team won't give me leads or the help that I'm looking for. I spent a lot of money to get my license and want to make this career. I just don't know what to do. What do you suggest? Hmm. Struggle, eh? Yeah. Well, you know what? To be honest, this is a common story. Yeah, it's it very common. Story. I believe every agent started this, <laughs> this way. <laughs> <laughs> because everyone gets into it, right? They see their friends are doing it, selling, you know, oh, I sold 10 homes last year. I drive my new Benz or my new Mercedes or, or sorry, my BMW or whatever. And like, oh, this must be easy. All my friends are going to call me. Then, you, you know, that's that's the initial thought, right? They don't uh, consider that, A, you just got into the business. Chances are your friends already know people. Three, your friends may not even be in the market, but you banked on them being in the market just because you got your license. Yeah. Possible, right? Um, some people don't want to buy homes. Some people want to be renters. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Just some people are happy renting. They're not ready. So that business you thought was going to happen isn't going to happen. Yeah. Sometimes you may feel awkward and don't want to talk to those people. You want to get new people from the internet. And you realize that takes a very long time. So now you go three months of this and you haven't closed something. You're frustrated. Of course. I mean, what is it to get in? It costs you initially, what, 7,000 bucks? Like 3,500 for the school, a couple thousand for Treb. That's like 5,500. And then you got your brokerage fee. Um, you know, it's going to be at least 7,000 bucks your first year to start. That's yeah. before you even paid any uh, other fees, like closing fees and whatever, right? Like or admin fees, whatever. But you know, so you're 7,000 bucks in three months in, which means bills are not exactly going down. Of course, you're going to be frustrated. Everyone is now most people like most agents don't close a deal within the first seven months. So that's double that time of frustration. Now, in terms of getting, uh, going on a team, because now everybody does this. I want to join a team because they're going to give me leads. You're right. They're not. They're not. Some they're not. Le some teams will pass leads once you're experienced with them and you've been with them for a while. But they don't want somebody joining in and saying, okay, I'm failing. Things aren't working out the way I wanted them to. Pass me your clients. 
they're not exactly going to want to do it that way, right? Because then what happens? They pass you a few leads and all of a sudden, okay, I got a few clients. I make my money. I'm out of here. So they spent all that time trying to train you just so you can leave within four months because you got a couple of deals and now you're confident again. They want to make sure you're committed to them before they'll pass you leads. So you're going to go through another, another three to six months before you see even one lead from them. And so that is true. You probably won't get leads from teams. Um, the idea of joining a team is that they're going to train you on their system. Now, if you believe in what they're doing, you believe in their system, that may work for you. You may not need to join a team. You might just need a coach. But again, joining a team, they're ta- this is the way I look at it. You join a team, you're paying them after. You do it on yourself with a coach, you're paying it now. And where the difference is, when you join a team, it could cost you as much as 50% of the commission or 60% of the commission. Sometimes it's 40, depending on the team. So you're giving up 40 to 60% of your commission to join that team, but they'll give you all the systems you need and, and teach you everything you need and help you build the way they built. Again, remember, that system may not work for you, even yeah. if you're following their system. It just may not jive with the people you're surrounded with but they give you the system. And as a payment, they take 50 to 60 or 40% of every sale you make from there. Where you get a coach, you're paying them now, whether you make the sale or not, but you remain independent. Now, if you think that you can close enough deals that's going to outweigh the cost of the coach, then go to coach route. If you're, don't believe you're going to get enough sales, to compensate for that, then go with the team. If not, maybe just get a mentor who will tell you what they did and follow the system day in, day out. Eventually, you'll close something as long as you're consistent. The whole idea is to be consistent. Day in, day out, you'll eventually close something somewhere. Learn from it. Those are really the options. I mean, whatever you're doing now is probably not working. Hanging around and hope waiting for your phone calls, not going to work. Going on the internet to say buy and sell now is not going to work. I'm a realtor. So is 80 other thousand people. Nobody wants to see just sold, just listed. I think we're all sick of that crap. In fact, before you ask yourself, before I was a realtor, did I even care what what things sold for? Answer is probably no. Not unless it was the guy across the street and then you want to know what you can get for your own house. But aside from that, did you really want to know? Old tactics do work. But the way you use them has changed, and that's just getting updated. Every brokerage usually offers you some form of support and training. Maybe talk to your manager. Maybe there's a training program you missed. That might be an avenue to try before you do either of those. Got to decide what's right for you. But um, again, there's a little bit of patience. Like I said, most agents don't make a sale within the first six, seven months. Yeah. yeah. I, I also recommend them to to work on their database, start building their database, um, contacting their database. Uh, I mean, if they don't want to go with a team, they can have a coach or, or a mentor, and then and then they can they, they can even have a buddy, real estate buddy, where they go on with to do door knocking or whatever marketing way they choose. But uh, I believe that and at the beginning, you got to work on your database. Absolutely. Now let's be clear. Everyone says, but I don't know anybody, yeah. and. You think you don't know anyone. <laughs> right. And that's the main thing. Everybody thinks they ha- don't know anybody. And it's really bullshit. But it's because we're formed to believe Go that. out. Go to events. Go 
when someone invites you to a dinner party, go to it. Don't be like, oh, you know, I don't feel like going out tonight. No, you got to go out. You got to meet people. Um, right. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know somebody, but there's somebody at that dinner event that you yeah. didn't know that yeah. happens to be thinking about the market and they may not be ready to buy today, but they might buy three, four months from now. Yeah. And yeah. what ends up happening is they now know you. You guys keep in contact because yeah. you add everybody you meet, you put them to into your phone, you put them into your CRM after, you put them into your database and you keep in contact with them. So it may not make the sale today, even three, four months. Hey, Bob at uh, Jeff's party is looking. He's now, and now he knows you. You're in. The, you're on that short list. Yeah, it's basically called working the, the database through events, through family dinners, through phone calls. That's Absolutely, how you meet people. Go get your haircut. I mean, I don't, but um, a lot of people do. When you go get your haircut, you go to. I'm sure you've been to your barbers regularly. Leave a few cards at the front desk. Talk to people while you're waiting for your appointment. Show up a little bit early. Sit down in the waiting uh, chairs. Talk to people. Yeah. As uh, you guys are both having common, you're there to get your haircut. And you guys are going to be talking about different things. Like, don't go in and say, hey, I'm a realtor. You know, you got to buy from me. No, you're not going to get that. But talk. Be human. Be human. I have a connection. Uh, yeah, build a connection. Build Eventually, connection. what happens when you're talking to a person? Oh, what do you do? Ah, glad you asked. Right? It's really that simple. But you have and to be human and talk to people and build a connection before so, they even care what so you do. The, the goal the goal in, in meeting new people is not to ask them, oh, you want to buy or something. No, the goal is to get their contact information their email, whatever sort of contact. And that's your goal to, to add their contact information into your database. Now that's the first step. Then comes the next step, which is, which is like discussing with them real estate and stuff. But, but what, what you have, what you need to have in mind when you're meeting someone for the first time is not to sell them or buy for them. It's to get their contact information into your database and make them one of your database. Yes. And that, exactly. Now, look, um, I do these podcasts all the time. A lot of people see me online. Do you notice I never ask you to call me? I never say if you're looking for real estate or if you want to buy or sell. Not once do I have a sales message. You think that's by accident? No, it's on purpose because I'm giving you information. This is education. It's not about yeah. me selling. But through these podcasts, through these videos, through these educational seminars that I've done, people got to know me, got to know my name. I walk into, I walk into places, people bump into me. They know me by name. They start asking questions in person. Guess what? That's great. Then you start building a rapport. Once you build a rapport, now they know you. Now you're their buddy. Now that you're their buddy, when they want to sell, guess who they want to call? Yeah. Right? I don't need to tell you to call me. It's not like I'm a realtor. I mean, you're watching a real estate Q&A. I think you damn well know I'm a realtor. <laughs> right? It's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't need to tell it you. Takes time. It takes time. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a bunch of processes done day in, day out consistently. Yeah. without ever missing a beat eventually yeah. if you do something long enough and you do it well enough people get to know what you do and and, and for for that question specifically you're not doing anything wrong it's just this is how it starts and we everyone i mean most of the agents went through the same struggle so it, it's, just, it's just being consistent so i just don't want them to feel discouraged or anything it's it's how it is yes exactly all right last question number 10 i want to invest in a new home with my boyfriend, either a condo or a house or whatever I can afford with my budget. We have $75,000 down. My boyfriend wants to invest in Bitcoin right now. He says we can get into Bitcoin and double our money then buy something better in a year. I'm not so sure and I'm nervous. What do you think? Well, number one, 
don't buy with your boyfriend. Wait till you get married. <laughs> because relationships break, you know, split up. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm being honest, right? Like, <laughs> you could if you come up with a um a legal agreement between the two of you, but it could get messy. Now that's just a thought. I, I, at the end of the day, you know your relationship better. If you still want to proceed, that's okay. Um but the thing is here now, this is the way I look at it. Bitcoin is still really new and fresh and unknown. Bitcoin has gone up. Bitcoin has gone down. There's no guarantee that 75,000 will become 150 in a year. What if you buy, buy the Bitcoin for 75,000 mm-hmm. and then later in a year or two that when you want to cash out, it's worth 30,000. I could tell you real estate will be a lot, lot, lot more money than it was today. So you'll actually afford less, even with the 75,000, than you can afford today with 75,000. Could you double your money in Bitcoin? You could. Unlikely that it'll go up that high. Now look, even $75,000, let's do the math. $75,000, even if Bitcoin doubles, that becomes 150. You made 75K. Let's look at the average um, $75,000 down. Let's assume between you and your boyfriend, you both make about 120K, 60K each. We'll do average income. You know, you guys can make more, a little less. We'll do average income. Um, and typically, you do both, you can get about five times your income. So you can get about 600000 roughly, with your $75,000 down, roughly. You got to talk to a mortgage broker, maybe a couple of grand up, a couple grand down, but we're using average numbers. So at that $600,000, on a real estate market at, I'm going to use my calculator because I'm good at math, but not that good. Um, 600,000 times 0. 0.065, because we're going to go by average, not by year. That's 40,000, roughly. 39,000 to be exact. So that's only if it does the average of 39, you know, three point, uh, 6.5%. So real estate, you will make 39,000 in the first year. Bitcoin, you might make 75,000 might you might make the same so you might make the same 39,000 that's how it might go we don't know because bitcoin is almost like the stock market it can go up it can go down real estate is somewhat consistent and level and like it's predictable so even if it goes up the same 40,000 sure you got $40,000 more but the house you're gonna buy is $40,000 more Now, what if the housing market is the same as it was the last two years? 2020 was 26.3%. And 2021, I believe, is is targeting about 13.5%. Now we did that. You're now paying $80,000 when you collected $39,000 to buy the same house. So my point I'm getting at is the fact that you could win by Bitcoin, but you're rolling the dice. You may or may not. At least with real estate, it is consistent. So you kind of know what you're getting into. It's the safer route. If you're more risky, sure, buy Bitcoin. If you want to play safe, yeah. real estate is the way to go. Exactly. It's a, it's a preference of how risk, like how level of the risk, like what level of risk you were willing to take to for this $75,000. Right. And plus the fact that when you buy real estate, you're actually buying a physical property it's right there it's right in front of you it will stay there for as long as you want until you sell it but bitcoin like it's good to invest in it's just not 
I don't think it's worth investing everything in it. Right. Well, here's the other alternative, exactly where, where I was going. Here's the other alternative. Nothing that, that you haven't considered. If you're uh, not buying your home to live in, where are you living? Is that free? Or are you paying rent? Right? If you're paying rent, just say rent is 2000 bucks, and I think I'm on the low side. That's $24,000. So even if you made the 75, you spent 24, yeah, you spent $24,000 in rental, you know, expenses. So you're only really up 50,000 again. Where the house that made 39,000, you have the $25,000 in rent or $24,000 in rental savings on top of the 39 you would have made based on the average. So that's another way of looking at it. Do I say put in all 75,000 into the house and forget Bitcoin? Maybe that's not what you want to do. Maybe, maybe buy a home for 550, use $50,000 as your down payment and put $25,000 in the Bitcoin and try your luck. That may be the, another alternative. At least you got a little bit of both. Both of you get satisfied. Yeah. Something to consider. Again, it's a personal choice and something you guys got to figure out. If you can't work that out, that may be a sign of bigger problems. But um, that's my view on it. I, again, real estate is safe. Bitcoin is risky. So let's see. Do we have any other questions? I'm going to look on YouTube. See if there's anything there. YouTube, YouTube. Okay. My channel. Oh, it's live. Uh, nothing else there. What about Facebook? Of course, I should have loaded this before, but hey. Okay, nothing there. One last place that we could have more questions. Oh, it's doing the opposite of what I wanted. Groups, come on. Groups, I'm active. Of course, I'm active. And no more there. So that is all the questions we have for today. I want to say thank you for uh, watching us on today's Q&A. Again, we will be back in two weeks as we do this live Q&A every two weeks. You can always reach out to us through our social profiles, DM us, email us, or uh, contact us through our cell phones. Send us your questions. Can even comment on one of our posts. We'll see it and reply. Um, if you want to reach me, it's well, just look up my name, John Papaloni, J-O-H-N space P-A-P-A-L-O-N-I. All my profiles will show up. Um, sad, uh, same thing. I think if you type in his name, same thing. Uh, you yep. can go to sadwally.com yep. and uh, find him there. And uh, oh, thank you for the info. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for watching. It's been a delight. And um, anything we can do to answer or help you in the future, you know, get answers you need. We'll be delighted to help. Thanks a lot. And uh, until next time, we'll Thank see you, you then. Thanks.